Welcome to Season 4 of Black Family Table Talk. Listen in weekly as we share unique stories that inspire, build, and give voice to the strength of black families. We are your hosts, Tony and Tony. This week's episode is sponsored by ABTF Travels. Join us for an epic adventure of a lifetime as we host an official delegation of artists and art enthusiasts in Ghana, West Africa. Please refer to our products page at blackfamilytabletalk.com forward slash products for more information. This week, we have a very special guest, Travis Walker Sr. He shares some incredible insight on how he's thriving as a young single father of six children. Yes, I said six children. Listen up. Well, I am so excited and especially appreciative as the mother of four of you taking your time out. Uh, Tell us your story, Travis. I am a single father of six children. I was married early, young. We had six children uh, in an attempt to have a girl. Our goal was to have a boy and a girl, my ex-wife and I. Ironically, we had five boys back to back. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, uh, my children's mother, she was adamant about having a girl. So we, in our last attempt, finally had our baby girl. Uh, Life took its course. We ultimately uh, separated. We had our marital issues. Nonetheless, children still needed a parent. Our children uh, still needed to be taken care of. So we had to go through that that hard fight with custody. So ultimately, for four years, I was taking care of my children. Uh, the last two of those four years was, were spent in litigation. The end result was me having full legal and physical custody of my children. And it was hard, but it was um, it was a necessary battle. And my children needed me. I'll say that. And they needed the best of me. And so I had to make those hard decisions, those hard sacrifices, uh, those necessary sacrifices. And so here we are. You know, it, it's been it's been hard, but it's been, uh, I guess, a beautiful situation because I've had the opportunity now, especially with the with the COVID crisis. And so we have been able to spend these last with the last going on a year now growing together as a family. You know, so I've been able to uh, work from home while they've been able to take virtual classes. Uh, so it, it's been fun watching them grow up, you know, as opposed to them spending majority of their day with the teacher, you know, they're spending their time with me. So I'm able to witness them throughout the entire day. So it's been fun. All right, so you said you have full custody, not joint custody? No, I, uh, I have full legal and physical custody of my children. So uh, again, not to go too much in detail as far as the legal um, right, right. Uh, part of it, but the, uh, the judge saw fit uh, that I have full legal and physical custody of my children. We we started in Charlottesville, Virginia. And so my career took me uh, on a path uh, where I landed in uh, Gaithersburg, Maryland now. But during that time, I was still uh, in and out of court dealing with the custody battle. But uh, the end result was um, me having full legal and physical custody of my children. How old are your children? Uh, my oldest is, he just had a birthday on the 9th, so he's 15. So you have 15, 13, 11, 9, 8, and 7. Wow. Wow. Cool beans. Uh, I can't even wrap my brain around it, but it's like the old school, though. Um, you know, my grandmother had eight. My other grandmother mm-hmm. had five boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Tony, your mother had, your grandmother had 10. 10. Okay. I think the more complicated the world gets, the more difficult it is because times were hard back then. I think our country is just, is just not so family friendly. So um, this experience that you're having being home with them has actually stopped. And in my opinion, and my kids are grown and gone, stop all of the madness and really made us reflect, and you touched on that in your in your story, step back and reflect on what is important. How can we reprioritize? Bingo. So comment on that and how that experience has been in your house and having teenage sons, how they appreciated the challenges mm-hmm. you're going through, et cetera. So checking back off of what you said, realizing what's important, right? Taking a step back and realizing that time is the most important thing, spending time with your, with your children. I, I would say this this time, this moment that we're in, uh, especially with everyone trying to adjust with being in the house, um, not being able to be as social with the outside world. And so the only people that we can, that we're able to socialize, we can only socialize with each other. So uh, we're getting to know each other in a unique, right? We're getting to understand each other in a unique manner. We let me let me speak for myself. I have the opportunity to watch and observe and study the different personalities of my children, becoming so familiar with their their unique style, their likes, you know, their desires. Their you know, I guess the the main thing is understanding what their interests are. Mm. And then catering to that and being able to meet right where they are and Mm. love on them right where they are, you know, because I feel like the the most unique thing about this is that you have an opportunity to truly know your children, to know them. And and then they know you. We're we're so familiar with each other, uh, contrary to how we may have been a year or two ago, where... We, we all come home from work, we all come home from school, then the routine is preparing for the next day. Whereas now, the expectation is to see each other on a regular basis, to see each other all throughout the day. We have the opportunity to actually have three meals together, right? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day. And I think that's such a beautiful thing. The experience also has been very humbling, <laughs> There was a moment where it became a little frustrating because, you know, they're constantly asking for things. But imagine yeah. some children asking you, constantly asking you for something every single day, all day, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> so so the humbling part about it was, um, you know, getting my frustration in check. I realized that it wasn't so much that they were asking me for things for the sake of wanting it, but they they're asking me for these things because they believe in me. They believe that I can, you know, um, that I can provide those things for them. Um, so again, it was a serious gut check, um, a, a serious moment of humility, and so it it really changed my approach, my parenting approach, right? Dialing back uh, those frustrations and not putting material things before uh, my children's feelings, right? So, so if something breaks, <laughs> you know. Wow. Like, wow. for instance, like a month ago, uh, a flat screen TV was broken, you know, and we're in the house all day. But um, what I realized was, you know, they, the children were, they froze. They were like, oh, my God, what, what are we going to do? You know, who's going to, so the, so the conversation was, who's going to tell dad? Um, <laughs> I remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> going into the room and, and addressing the broken TV, 
um, we have to realize, okay, this TV can be, you know, mm. the, the TV can be replaced, but their feelings and their emotions, um, they're going to walk away from this moment uh, with the greater impression on how I handled this situation. So wow. um, the important thing was to let them know that the TV wasn't as important. So how can we figure out, one, how do we avoid breaking another TV? Um, but two, taking this moment to teach and instill value in them, you know, and uh, letting them know that the learning opportunity was more important than the TV being broken. Um, so again, you, you know, mm. these are just a few examples. We're all on a learning curve. Well, um, let me ask you, I love your parenting style and, and your your wisdom is, is beyond your age. I mean, when when did you break the cold? When did you realize that it was important to get to know your children individually and their personal interests and personalities? Because some parents today haven't figured that out because sure. the world is so busy and you get into a routine as you were talking about mm -hmm. and you don't you really don't get to know your children. And I mean, what you said is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. You know, six children, individual personalities and needs and wants. That goes a long way in gaining trust and everything else that goes along with it. So, mm -hmm. so when did that click in your head that this is what you needed to do? Um, I want to say our three children in three children and you realize um, they had their own personality. They had their, you know, their own unique style. Um, they also have their own way of approach, their own avenue uh, that will allow you to get inside of their head, get inside of their feelings. And so when my first three sons were born, they're very active. They're very active children. Um, so watching them on the, um, on the sports field, like on the football field, on the basketball court, um, how they respond to their peers, how they respond to coaching, how they respond to me is completely different. So it was trial and error, <laughs> but uh, I, it clicked when, when my third, right around the time my third son was um, getting into sports himself. So I realized because he, he he's a very, um, for lack of better words, a very unique individual. At one point he was, he was very shut in, um, very quiet, but then he would just turn into a complete individual on the football field, you know, like, who is this kid? You know, he's lively, <laughs> but once he steps off of the football field, he's very enclosed. And so um, I thought that was interesting. You know, and, and I took a major interest in that. Uh, fast forward three children later, going into, um, the, you know, the marital issues, going into the, uh, the court appearances, I realized that I had to be intentional about uh, getting to know them and what their, uh, how they function because it was going to be all on me. It was going to, it was going to be, you know, contingent on all of the information I was able to gather and execute. So with the, with the children, I believe that it was important for me to be intentional also about therapy. Right. Yes. Um, I were recognizing that they handled some of the trauma that they experienced with the, with the divorce and the separation and the transition how they handled the trauma and the transition was different. So recognizing that made it even much more important for me to cater to their individual, their individuality. So, so being intentional about um, my approach with them as individuals and being intentional about therapy, giving them um, an opportunity to heal from the, you know, from the trauma and then 
embarking on therapy myself, recognizing that, you know, there's some things in me personally that I have to address. There's some unique things about me that, that I need to become familiar with that I may have missed in the busyness of trying to, you know, be a, a young father, um, now being a single father and, and being a full-time employee, um, an entrepreneur and trying to juggle all of these different things. Well, when you consider all of the things that I'm that I'm having to handle on my own. So imagine your children trying to navigate, you know, all of their responsibilities and, you know, um, throughout their day, uh, throughout their week, you know, having to deal with the, you know, the emotional context of their parents, um, the uh, having to deal with, you know, the nuances of school, you know, the peer pressure, their responsibilities with their schoolwork. They're living up to the expectation, my expectation on them. Um, so that's uh, that may be a hard balance for them. So it, it's it's just imperative. And, and to your point, I think it's um, for those of us who who get it where it clicked early. It's important for us to share it, share that information with with young fathers, you know, ex- expecting fathers, and even you know um, even the elders, you know, who still are trying to bridge the gap between between them and their and their and their children. Tony talked earlier about the wisdom that you bring to the table. And and I always believe that God doesn't put us more on us than we can bear. So you seem to have had some kind of training. Give us a little bit of information about your background and what what do you do financially uh, to support your children? What's your career? Sure. Uh, So the the training started off with just my overall life experience, you know, um, raised by a single mother. But the, the defining moment in that was, I think it was about 12 or 13. My mother literally just dropped me off at my father's house and you're going to get to know your dad. Wow. Prior to that, I just, I, I knew of his existence. You know, I was familiar with him, but it was at the uh, about 13 years old when I first became acquainted with my father. My mother, you know, she never spoke one bad word about my father, you know, so um, I didn't have to filter through any uh, resentment, you know, towards him. So I was just left with this opportunity to get to know him at 13. In his absence, I was able to watch my mother and, and her character, you know, her love for, you know, the family, her love for me, my aunts, my uncles, you know, how they all just, you know, took care of me. They loved on me, you know, <laughs> even though I was a unique individual super hyper, you know, full of energy, always into something, you know, they, they just loved on me, you know, the ups and downs throughout school, you know, that I had, that I had, um, they loved on me through all of that. Fast forward to adulthood. I started off in mental health. So I was a mental health therapist for about 11 years. So working with adolescents and young adults. So uh, a lot of the uh, therapeutic training uh, comes from, from my professional work. So what Dealing with someone else's child, I developed uh, a lot of uh, patience. I'll say that um, I developed a lot of patience in me. So, you know, I was privy to some of the statistics, some of the unique approaches to um, handling uh, a 10-year-old, a 13-year-old, you know, and a 15-year-old. So taking some of those skill sets and applying it to my my parenting style and the importance of uh, dealing with that child one-on-one and making time for an individual child, right? Because in, in a professional world, you have to uh, schedule time for individual therapy sessions. So if I can do this in a professional realm, how vital is it for me to do so in my personal life with my own children? I have to be intentional about uh, making time for each individual child. So some weeks are better than others, you know, where I'm able to 
uh, spend, you know, quality time with each child individually. Uh, sometimes it may be um, a pair, you know, or a set of three, you know, but I have to break it down in some capacity. I uh, give them that undivided attention uh, and let them know that they're, that they're loved. And it, it's hard, but sometimes, you know, um, you don't want children to see or get the feel of favoritism, mm. <laughs> you know, trial and error, you, you, you work it until you figure it out. So, so how do you maintain the energy? I know it can be exhausting because you need time for yourself. So how do, how do you balance that and, and, and still maintain some privacy and, right. and you have work, you have other friends and family relationships that you personally have? So it, it was tough in the beginning. Like I said, this, uh, this moment in time has been very humbling. <laughs> So much so that I have to humble myself and realize that the position that I'm in requires uh, a lot of sacrifice. And uh, this unique opportunity that I have as a father, it just requires me having to miss out on that social life. That's just the bottom line. It, I had to get over it. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> nothing else you can do. Listen, you have six children. You know, that, that social life or whatever you expect of it or what you what I may have once had, you know, just throw it out the window. Listen, man, kids, they don't comprehend, nor do they care about excuses. Mm. Right? The only thing children care about and understand are results. Whoa. That is it. They have as much as I expect them to bring home good grades, they expect me to bring home the best version of myself. Wow. Because they need something taken into consideration that my children understand that they don't have to go no further than their father. I, I try not to get into religion too much, but uh, as a believer, you know, how, how often do we hear, you know, pastors telling us how we ought to approach God, mm-hmm. how we should have faith in God and believe that he will provide. So to know that my children have that type of belief in me that I'm supposed to have, you know, in God, that's humbling. Feel free to talk about how your faith plays a role in that. Sure. You know, I, I'm an advocate for prayer. I believe prayer changes so much. Uh, my life is the the result and the epitome of prayer. You know, I just had to I had to dig deep and, and develop a prayer life um, and be grateful of what I've come to understand and know and experience and have experienced the result of prayer, prayer and fasting. You know, those those hard moments where I was it was just me and times were hard. You know, you, you become broken, you you become completely broken down. And 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 now this rebuilt version of me has an, uh, a greater understanding of, like you said, what's important. We have come into a time where where it's OK to just simply start over. You know what? I got it wrong. Let me try again. My faith has brought me to a place where. Prayer is real. God is real. Discipline is necessary. Uh, again, going back to that um, realization that I have that that I have six babies, <laughs> you know. So the responsibility is real. You know, I have to accept it, and I have to, you know, get just make sure that you know I am healthy uh, and prepare myself in a way that's uh, within good balance. You know, just take it a step at a time. Are girls easier or boys easier? Uh, oh man. <laughs> oh man. Um, I'm. I hate to say this. 
and my daughter, she doesn't give me a hard time. It's just that there's a different, there's a different approach that I have to take in the house ever since she's been born, uh, especially when she's around. I I have to watch my tone. You know, I, I can't be the coach, you know, I can't be the you know, the father on the basketball court or the football field, you know, mm. when with with her around, you know, the, I have to bring the volume down, you know, the double standards go out the window. So the same expectations I have on her, um, I place them on the boys as well. You know, the level of protection, right? Um, being an overprotective father to a girl, um, I still have to have that same measure with my boys. And so I have to be on top of and I have to pay attention to how they talk to their sister, right? So I have to nail be an example. So how I uh, handle women, right? And and how I cater to women, uh, in addition to teaching my, my boys the importance of serving their sister, putting her first. She, she changed the game when she came. She came into the world. She literally changed the game. So you know, mm. about over the years, you know, I've kind of hit a groove with her. And so I, I guess the major difference would be making sure that she she knows that it's okay to be entitled. Yeah. It's okay to, to expect, you know, certain things from your brothers, from me as your father. And it's okay to expect a certain level of, of service from men, especially as, as a little black girl. It's okay to be opinionated. It's okay to be assertive. It's okay to be, it's okay to be strong. It's okay to be you and just be free. You know, it's okay to dance. It's okay to sing. And and you don't have to live up to, you know, society standards. Mm-hmm. You know, my daughter, uh, you know, what is your name? And she says, my name is Victory. And I said, go get it. Go get it every day. Go get wow. the victory. And so, um, you know, just making sure that she's so comfortable in her skin and that she's, that she's aware, that she's well protected. So that comes with a different uh, approach in my training with my boys. You know, did you take care of your sister? Did you check on your sister? Making sure that, that she's first, you know, to hold the door for your sister. So making her feel like that the norm is being loved. This is the bar um, that is set for how someone should treat me, how someone's supposed to love me, and making sure that uh, she understands the level of protection that she has and the level of protection she's to expect as she gets older. Wow, that's good stuff. Now, you talked about the training from your vocation. Mm-hmm. Someone without that training, what would you recommend for parents now and aspiring parents or what resources or, or what to get that wisdom and, and knowledge you have? What recommendations would you make? Um, I would recommend just doing your research, getting online, researching, uh, various parenting classes. You can go on social media, just type in, you know, fatherhood, you know, type in uh, parenting, you know, parenting styles, uh, different keywords, uh, but just do your research, find out what, what local resources are available to you. What I can say is that there are a lot of resources, especially to uh, the African-American community that we are not aware of. But I think it, the awareness is being uh, broadcasted. You know, when you have individuals such as yourselves that are pushing the the positive narrative, right? Just putting yourself out there, making yourself available to the information 
is what I would um, suggest. The next thing I would I would suggest is to find a resource for therapy as a parent. Um, take the time out and be intentional about therapy, especially for the African-American community. I think that we have to definitely start dealing with some of the trauma that has been passed down and that we that we may experience, you know, anew. So we have to um, address those. We have to confront those things head on. I would also just find uh, a good circle of friends that are where you want to be. Change your circle of friends if necessary. You know, let go of those uh, connections that aren't serving you. That was one of the hardest things I had to do. I I would also suggest that have a positive outlook, be more optimistic, kind of tweak your way of thinking. Dive into some affirmations, some positive affirmations. Be self-affirming. You know, just take the first step, whatever that step is, take it. And then do it over and over again, you know, until you, you're taking multiple steps, you know, daily and just get into the habit of, of change. The biggest thing I would stress and advocate is embrace change because that's what it's going to take, you know, uh, to sum everything up. You're going to have to change, bottom line. I'm just so moved by everything you've said today. Looking back, if you, if you could change anything, is there anything that you would change? Before you answer that question, I also want to applaud you for recognizing that your mother never said anything negative about your father. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge under- lesson to underscore. You were going along so eloquently. I didn't want to interject, but I think that, that is so important. And there's a lot of people that have that story. Is a 60% mm-hmm. divorce rate. That's more right. common than not. But the common right. thing that we always hear is the negative talk of the other spouse. Now, having an, an adopted son, my husband and I, we have an adopted son. We have mm-hmm. three biological children. That's mm-hmm. enough. We never talk negative about his mother. In mm-hmm. fact, we lifted her up. We mm-hmm. said, because she gave you life. And, and, I, and I just wanted to underscore that. And thank you for acknowledging mm-hmm. that because that's so important. Let the kids create their own um would you agree with this? Letting the kids develop their own relationship independent of your influence. Absolutely. One thousand percent. Taking that taking that from my mother, I now had the opportunity to put that in practice, you know, with my with my children. And so I, I don't speak ill of their mother. But what I what I teach them is that although you may not be able to see your mother in a, in a capacity that's normal. Be optimistic. One day, you know, things may change. Uh, things may develop in a way with her that she is now able to uh, see them. Uh, hopefully, you know, uh, they'll be able to love on their mother, you know, um, the way that they desire to. And, and going back to uh, your point about allowing them to form their own opinion, I had to walk a walk that said, I can show you better than you've been told uh, in, in order to be, to contest the things that were said to them about me, um, you know, during that ugly, you know, period. As, as their father, I, I, uh, I just had to walk the walk. And then that taste of reality sunk in and my children are now in a place where they understand the truth. You don't have to defend the truth. Um, you just got to walk the walk. And, and in the meantime, operate in as much love as you can. No, I'm right there with them. I'm right there with them. Whatever they need, whatever help they need to 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 love on their mother, you know, even more. Um, I'm right there for them to to help them. Um, because I had to, I had to work through some of the uh, resentment that my children had towards me because of the circumstances. 
because they were young. They're very impressionable. Going back to an earlier statement, that's something else I had to I had to humble myself and not get caught up in the fight of making making them believe me or arguing, hey, this isn't true. That's not true. Um, and just saying, okay, what's important is their feelings, they're entitled. They feel a certain way right now. Mm-hmm. But what I have on my side now is time, you know, because they're with me now. Mm-hmm. So um, they have the time to now get to know me and really get to know how I operate. Uh, and now I have the opportunity to um, to debunk, you know, all of the all of the falsehoods. So, I mean, you know, just just making sure that I, too, embrace change daily. You know, and so just making sure that uh, I set the example on how to handle those changes, you know, the different wrenches that may be thrown in, man, and my temperament, you know, uh, my attitude, my character, my choice of words. You you just have to practice parenthood and fatherhood, motherhood, daily basis. You know? Amen. And, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but it's fun. It's been fun. Um, I wouldn't change a thing. I, I think one of your other questions was what would I do different? Um I asked that in the context of how can you save other people some steps? Like you said, nobody's perfect and we don't have a handbook. Uh, what, what would be your life lesson? Life lesson number one is just to establish yourself, you know, get established. Whatever your goals, dreams, dreams, aspirations are, you know, knock them out, accomplish them, achieve them. Establish yourself first. Another humbling um, understanding I came into is that some things are just for the established. You know, marital bliss um, is for the established. You have to be established mentally, physically, spiritually, and financially to get to that place of marital bliss. But some couples experience it later on, you know, through child and error. But I think that if you establish yourself early on in the beginning as an individual and you come into the relationship 1,000 percent complete and whole and now you know um, your partner's coming in the same way the only goal now is to figure out how to love each other better tomorrow than you did today right so now you're not trying to figure out trying to balance what i need to accomplish what you need to accomplish and now trying to balance that with our our feelings our time our emotions our selfishness our humanity right and so i would say get yourself established first uh, the next thing i would i would say is just find uh, a consistent accountability partner and and have a circle of accountability whether it's your friends associates colleagues right have a good circle of people that can hold you accountable in different aspects uh financially spiritually physically you know that's a therapist maybe a financial advisor um a spiritual advisor and um and then a a close friend that you absolutely trust that you can kind of unload some of you know those hard feelings that you may have um built up after that before embarking on marriage um excuse me finances are so important there's no easy way to say it but you have to have your money together you have to have your finances (laughs) together yeah Yeah, there's no there's no sugarcoating have your finances together you know where you're where you're ahead of the game where your money is working for you and that's in the beginning that's before children that's before marriage say that again that's that's before that's before children that's before marriage establish yourself achieve all it is that you set out to achieve travel because now you know the idea of traveling now with six children 
that's a whole it's a whole another project in itself which i had you know had taken the opportunity to travel more but now i i can do so you know financially i just have to my planning is different now different than how it may have been had i been um a single young man but if you find yourself where you are in marriage and you are a parent what i would say again just stop and and figure out what that reset button looks like make sure that you know you are are prepared for the change that's going to come it's it's a rude awakening you're going to do a lot of self-reflecting and you're going to a lot of self-discovery you know you're going to see the person that you're seeing in the mirror is going to change you know you're not going to be the same and you're going to realize you know all of the the messed up stuff that's that's been inside of you all of that stuff is going to going to become exposed be prepared for exposure you're going to become vulnerable you're going to become fragile more fragile than you've ever been you know so let it happen you know um embrace it and then the the journey is 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 downhill from there once you get through the hard part it's downhill if you're a single parent before you get out on a dating field establish yourself um financially you know make sure that your children are set put them first as a single as a single parent i, I say put your children first and meaning make sure that they're taken care of. make sure that you're that you have taken care of all of your priorities because it makes that selfish part of you much more easy so you don't have to you don't have to try to navigate the selfish part of your life with any guilt because you've taken care of everything. So making sure that, you know, you you have established yourself in such a way that the relationship, that the new relationship that you find yourself in is fair and that that individual isn't dealing with, you know, some of the uh, loose ends you forgot to tie up. So, Amen. Yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a follow-up question. What are you most proud of? Wow. Um, I, I am proud of... I'll put it this way. This this has been a privilege to raise six children, you know, because it, I still haven't fully wrapped my mind around it. But it's like I really have the opportunity to make an impression on six individuals, six beautiful babies. Um, from the beginning, we were beating the odds. We had six healthy babies back to back. You know, this has been nothing but a privilege, you know, and I understand it as a privilege. So um, I'm just proud of being selected. You know, <laughs> um, introducing six beautiful uh, human beings to society that's going to build society in a in a unique way. Very good. Um, I'm excited to see what's next, what's to come with my children. You know, each each step that they take, they're always into something new. So I'm just excited to uh, discover that next thing in their life. You know, and how it's going to have an impact on on the world. Wow. Well, you were certainly appointed for such a time as this. Thank you. Thank you. That's Black Family Table Talk. That's what's up. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Black Family Table Talk. We pray that you've gotten some tools to put into your strong Black Family toolbox. And be sure to sign up for a free subscription at blackfamilytabletalk.com. You don't want to miss out on special discounts and product offers reserved exclusively for you from our very own Black-owned business directory. That's BlackFamilyTableTalk.com.
Under Section 107 of the Copyright Act 1976, allowances made for fair use for purposes such as criticism, comments, news reporting, teaching, scholarship, and research. Fair use is a use permitted by copyright statute that may otherwise be infringing. The news and opinions expressed on Black Family Table Talk do not necessarily reflect various platform hosts. All topics are for entertainment purposes only. Discretion is strongly advised and all commentary is alleged. This is a Micah 68 Media LLC production.